Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Do you guys have a Netflix addiction like I do? I mean, seriously, it's a problem. Um, I just get on there and it's like I'm being plugged into the Matrix and I'm looking for... Um, Morpheus to come pull me out. Uh, it's it's bad. Anyway, I've been powering through lots of shows lately. Altered Carbon was really good. Uh, it was it was um, trippy and hard to follow. Like you had to really pay attention. But anyway, you could be listening to this years from now, and Altered Carbon could be old news. Altered Carbon could be on its fourth season and be terrible by the time you're listening to this, and you're like, "Oh my god, he likes Altered Carbon. That show sucks." <laughs> anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I'm Jim Heskett. This is the Thriller Fiction Podcast, Season 2, where we're reading Museum Attack. So welcome out there. Welcome to the show. If you like this uh, uh, book, maybe you don't enjoy the dulcet, towns sound, dulcet, um, hmm, the dulcet tones of my voice, uh, particularly when I do stuff like that, like screw up words. But if you like uh, this novella, you can get it for free at jimheskett.com forward slash free. Don't forget to go to jimheskett.com forward slash contest, where you can enter giveaways to win free stuff, and um, there's the the way I run my giveaways, or the the software I used to run them. It's like I can't take credit for it, but the software does some really cool stuff. Like it uh, gives you ways to increase your odds of winning by giving you extra entries, like as if you had entered the contest more than once. Like if you share it with a friend and they sign up, then you get extra entries. Or there's like you can click a link to follow my YouTube channel, or subscribe to my blog, uh, or follow me on. Amazon. There's other stuff like that you can do to increase your odds of winning. So some people, like if you do all of it, it'd be like if you enter the contest 30 times, which is kind of cool. And like, it's a way to stack the deck in your favor. You know, just picture Elizabeth Banks uh, saying, may the odds be ever in your favor. I always do. Anyway, just because I'm a weirdo who likes Hunger Games like that. Anyway, okay. I think I've rambled a lot so far. So what we're going to do now is we're going to read chapter nine in Museum Attack. So let's go ahead and do that. Lane stayed low, making his footfalls as light as possible. The floor and walls in this building seemed designed to echo, not the best surfaces for being sneaky. As he made his way along the second floor toward the stairs, the bank of elevators to his left vibrated so he sprinted past them. The light above blinked on. He didn't wait around to see who would step out of the elevator doors. The employee stairs, though, were unoccupied. He pulled the stairwell door behind him closed and held it for a few seconds. No one came. An absent-minded hand reached down into his pocket and retrieved the tube of nicotine lozenges. When he popped one in his mouth, instant relief followed. As he ascended the stairs, he thought of Jasmine in the lobby two floors below. They barely knew each other. A few online conversations, a couple of phone calls, and then they'd met when Lane had come down from his house in the mountains of southern Colorado. A simple daytime jaunt to a museum just to feel each other out, to get a sense for the real-life version of the other. But Lane knew he still wouldn't see the real version of her. In the early stages of a relationship, everyone is on their best behavior. One reason Lane hated dating and always wished he could skip ahead five or six months. But because of his daughter, he rarely even attempted a first date. The fact that Jasmine kept appearing in his thoughts probably had more to do with guilt 
he felt, than his attraction to her. Coming to this museum had been his idea. They were in this mess because Lane escorted her into the courtyard outside just before the bombs had exploded, and not only that, he'd insisted they should flee into the building. He had to make this right before it was too late. The door opened to a hallway painted a different color than the floor below it, pale pink like a hospital. If the color was supposed to calm him, then this shit wasn't working. Lane located a map of the third floor next to the stairs. There was the main exhibit space in the middle, surrounded by some smaller rooms around the edges of the floor. Nothing indicated a security guard office, but there were spaces marked as admin suites. Lane studied the route and then unsheathed his knife. He crept through the main room toward the far side, stepping around an exhibit made from soup cans painted bright orange. In one spot, a collection of personal items were strewn about the floor. Tissues, car keys, a tube of lipstick, a cigarette lighter. Had the invader snatched some poor woman in this room as her purse exploded everywhere? Or maybe it was only another weird exhibit. Through the doorway at the edge of the room, Lane noted a series of doors lining the wall in the outer hallway. One read, Security. Before he exited the room into the hall, he paused, heard a throat clearing. Hey, a voice said from around the hall. It's me. Lane slid to the side of the doorway leading out of this room, holding the knife high. He gripped the hilt. This newest episode equaled the third time he'd been in this situation in the last ten minutes. Or maybe was it the fourth? Yeah, I know, the voice continued. No, I'm, I'm not going to be home for dinner. I'm not even in town. I told you that already. He paused, making some small grunts of acknowledgement. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm, fine. Do whatever you want. It's not like you ever listen to me anyway. Lane held tight as the man sighed and then his footsteps clacked on the floor, big boots echoing down the hall. Lane raised the knife high, trying to focus his thoughts and stay alert. And then the footsteps faded away. Lane leaned out into the hall and found it empty. He crossed the security door, then took a few breaths to steady himself. With a sigh, he dropped to one knee and set the knife on the floor. He fished the bobby pin out of his pocket and then snapped it in half. He inserted both halves into the lock. One he used to dig around at the lock pins, the other to apply pressure at the bottom of the lock. After fiddling with it for 20 seconds, it turned. He grinned. Lane was better with digital locks most of the time. Old school lock picking was more Micah Reed's specialty. His friend had taught him a thing or two, though. Knife in hand, Lane sneaked into the room and shut the door behind him. He hit the light switch to find a smaller room not much bigger than a closet. Cramped, claustrophobic. Along one wall, a series of monitors and some desktop computers. On another, lockers. He opened each of the lockers to find clothes and paperback books and cell phones and other personal effects. But no weapons. If there were a weapon here, would the security guards have hidden it somewhere? He checked the backs of the lockers for secret panels and checked underneath them. He lifted from the wall a laminated poster detailing the Colorado minimum wage standards. No secret weapon safe behind it. Nothing. Lane slumped into a chair across from the bank of monitors. What the hell am I supposed to do? He reached out and tapped the power button on the computer tower in front of him. Each of the monitors blazed to life black and white grainy shots. Of the six monitors, three showed exterior shots of the building. Lane leaned in closer, focused on the video feeds. He'd already seen the invaders' Humvees parked around the building with the steel barricades forming a complete circle, the armed men taking shelter behind those barricades. 
But what he also saw on those monitors were dozens of cops beyond that inner ring of terrorists. SWAT teams hiding behind their own barriers, sporting full-body armor and automatic weapons. Also, a helicopter hovering overhead. Between the invaders and the cops, there were a hundred people and twenty vehicles outside, enough to wage war. And Lane now grasped that in addition to the cops being unable to come inside, the invaders were also now unable to leave. That much firepower was holding everyone in place. The bad guys had no intention of leaving here, which meant they had no incentive to keep the hostages alive for longer than necessary. They would complete their art destruction project and then probably rush outside in a hail of bullets. They'd kill the hostages first to clean up their loose ends. Lane flicked his eyes to a monitor overlooking the lobby. At the ragged collection of hostages huddled together in twos and threes as the men with their M4 strolled around the room. And at Jasmine, head in hands, her shoulders shaking as she cried. All right, my friend, that is Chapter 9 of Museum Attack. Did you notice there was a Micah Reed uh, shout-out in there? Uh, some, some proof if you doubted me that, uh, that Lane Parrish and Micah Reed crossed paths. Um, I'm not one of those people who writes all of my books in the same world, um, basically. Um, like my, uh, uh, I have a dystopian series called the five sun saga, which is, you know, completely its own thing. And my, um, trilogy, which is actually a quadrilogy, the whistleblower trilogy, um, is pretty much its own separate thing. But I did write a novel called Reagan's ashes that ties into the Micah Reed series and how it ties in. I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> but if you read Reagan's ashes, you'll note a character in Reagan's Ashes, who appears in um, at least two of the Micah Reed books, and actually three, maybe more, and is mentioned, I think, in a couple more. But anyway, I'm going to stop talking about that, because that's the kind of like Easter egg that I shouldn't actually just come out and say. But anyway, I did. So that's all for this episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you have yourselves a great day. And, you know, go out there and um, uh, give your male person a big fat smile and tell him or her to have a wonderful day because all they do is get uh, their legs bitten by dogs all day long it must be a terrible job anyway have a good one that's it for this episode of the thriller fiction podcast thanks for tuning in don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.